WWF, what the world is watching. Standing by right now, ladies and gentlemen, about to appear sometime this hour. Within the confines of this jam-packed arena, the World Wrestling Federation champion. Let's take you now to Mean Gene Okerlund. All right, thank you, Vince McMahon. As you know, we are celebrating Memorial Day this weekend. And here to lead in the celebration, the personification of the red, white, and blue and south, heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan. Well, you know, Mean Gene, everybody knows that America is known as the land of the free and the home of the brave. And the bravest Americans of all are the ones we're going to honor this weekend, man. They paid the ultimate price for liberty, the ultimate price for freedom. Yeah, man, they're the ones that I'm dedicating this match to because they've been to the mountaintop. So people like you, me, and all of us can live in the greatest country in the world. And I promise you, on this celebration of Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to take with me into the ring the pride of all those Americans that paid the ultimate price. Oh, America, you are indeed beautiful heavyweight champ Hulk Hogan. I thank you. Right now, let's get up to the ring for our opening bout. Today we have a spooky episode. Spooky, spooky? Yes, we have Steve. Oh, hey, thank you. Thanks for introducing me. And with me today is Paula. And we, Dave will be joining us, but there's a little... He's on... He has a new job. His dog died. It's. He has a new job. His dog died. It's yeah, scary. schedules. Paula and Dave are just on different schedules. Mm-hmm. So like we said last week, we're going to record with Paula. We'll record with Dave, and then some weeks, hopefully, holidays, things like that, the weeks will line up, and we'll be able to record together like we used to. So we do have some... Emails. Emails. But we're going to get to those in one second, real quickly. So welcome to the show. It's uh, season two, episode three. And tonight on the show, Dave and I are going to cover Hulk Hogan's match on the Superstars of Wrestling. May 23rd, 1987. was during sweeps and one of the few times that Hulk wrestled on TV back then. And uh, we're going to cover the whole card. We're going to cover the news from May of 1987. We're going to cover Hulk's match versus Bob Orton Jr., the ace, Cowboy Bob Orton. And uh, then we're going to um, read some emails at the end, answer some questions, Dave and I. But before we get to that, we got some time with Paul. Paul, first let me ask you a couple questions before we get to your emails. Mm-hmm. What's been new in your life in terms of cheerleading and school activities? And you had a big color run you want to talk about, right? So whoever donated to the color run, thank you. Yeah, a few listeners donated to her her fundraiser at school for the big color run. Let's tell them how it went. 
Uh, it was really fun. I got really colored. My hair was even colored. Even though I had a wig, mm-hmm. still covered. Um, and we, I saw a lot of my friends, and I was very good. Yeah, you did it. really well, yeah. I run the whole school. Yeah, you ran a big block, huh? And I had the funnest dance party. Did you have a good dance party? And you're going to be going to a dance in a couple weeks, right? Or I don't have to do the macaroni. The macarena. The macaroni is what Italians eat, right? <laughs> you know how to do it. This is, this is audio, though. They can't see you. I know. <laughs> and how's cheerleading been going? Can you do another cheer for them? Which one did you do last time? Hello, cheer. Okay, what's one you can do this time? S-U-P-P-R. No. We're from NT, couldn't be prouder. If you can't hear, I shout a little louder. We're from NT, couldn't be prouder. If you can't hear, I shout a little louder. We're from NT, couldn't be prouder. If you can't hear, I shout a little louder. Love it. And what about wrestling? You been watching any wrestling lately? I know what you've been eyeing on the TV a lot. That preview for the new Rock movie. Yes. You want to check that out? Yeah. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite Hulk movie? You think? Nanny. Nanny. It's hilarious because he wears a tutu. <laughs> he does wear a tutu. <laughs> a tutu. Hulk wear a tutu. Yep. And we've watched, what did we watch recently? Some Saturday Night's main event we watched, right? Mm-hmm. Remember when we were having snack? We watched when Macho threw Hulk, uh, Elizabeth, or Honky Tonk threw Elizabeth down and hit Honky with the guitar. Yeah, but now the Maker Powders started! Yeah, they did explode. And so did everyone's eardrums after you just screamed at him like that. Sorry. <laughs> All right. What emails do you got? Why don't you give me the first one? Who's emailing us this week in your world? Parker, Tanner, Gregory, and Willow. Well, we got two. We're going to do two. So maybe Parker and Tanner sent one and Gregory and Willow sent one. Yeah. The brothers and sisters and brothers and brothers sent them together. Mm-hmm. All right. Give me Tanner and Parker's first. They're cousins. So, uh... Parker said, how did Hulk Hogan slam Andre? That is a good question. Here's my answer. I think it was the Hulkamaniacs, all Mm. 90,000 of them that were in the audience that that day, really got Hulk's adrenaline going, and Hulk got pumped up, and he got that little extra strength he needed to get that big, mean, nasty giant over his head and slam him. Right in the middle of the ring at the Pontiac Silverdome. That's what I think. What do you think? I think that he you did his twenty four yeah and pushed it up as far as he can and slam right down. Good question, Parker. What else? Uh, Tanner had. Was there ever a Baby Yoda one? Was there ever Baby Yoda? I don't think Baby Yoda was ever in wrestling. But we'll have to ask Dave if maybe he was on one of the. Wrestling leagues that I didn't watch when I was a kid, but I don't think they ever did a crossover with it. Joking, Tanner Act. How did Hulk Hogan get these muscles? Okay, say his prayers, eat his vitamins, and he worked hard in the gym. Well, Simple, right? The three he, commandments of Hulkamania. Slamming and banging. He eat 1,100 vitamins, Yeah. and he worked in the gym. Yeah. Good question, Tanner. Okay, uh, Gregory and Willow, what do we got from your other set of cousins for questions? Gregory said, 
Was there ever a Darth Vader one? <laughs> and Gregory, all these kids just want to know about Star Wars, huh? And I was like, joking too. Again. Joking too. What did he really say, Gregory? He really said, "How did Hulk Hogan?" I meant, "How did Hulk? How did Hulk Hogan get? How did the Mega Howlers happen?" Well, we saw it on our last episode, right? Yes. Miss Elizabeth ran to the back and got Hulk to help, and Hulk came down and cleaned house of the Hart Foundation, and then they sort of met in the middle of the ring, and they did the handshake, right? And that's kind of how it yes. evolved. Yeah. But there's another thing about it. What's that? That the way that Honey Tant pushed him, it kind of, his ring might have messed up, and I said that we're friends, and... When he took Elizabeth away, he bring back, back to normal being with Elizabeth. Yeah, good point. What about Willow? Did she have any questions? Yes, she did. What'd she give? Is Ariel one? <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Hmm. Okay, what did she really ask? She asked, how did Macho Man yeah. and Ricky Steamboat, how did he break his neck? How did he right, how did he do that with the bell? Right, he got full first. Put him over the guardrail, mm-hmm. right over the where the keeping the fans away, and he jumped out the top rope and smashed it on the guardrail. Then he went and got the bell, and he drove the bell into his throat, and that's how they did it. Very nasty of Macho Man to do that. Well, they're kind of a twist in it because he all Willow also said, "I know that, but how did he?" How did he turn how how was his neck like? Is there like was there a big bruise? It was like, his larynx that he hurt. What's larynx? It's a part in the throat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what happened to his? Crushed it. So it was like he couldn't move it. Like he can do he can make it all the way around. Yeah, he was it crushed it. So he's having trouble with his speech and talking and breathing. So it's a pretty vicious thing by the Macho Man, but luckily. Steamboat healed up and fought him at WrestleMania 3 and won the belt, right? Yes, but there's one thing. He did cry, though. That kind of Yeah, Macho Man cried, yeah. He, it was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, because he lost. He's crying in the little cart, right? Yes, and there's one more that just popped in my head. Yeah, what's that? Robbie. Okay, what does he want? I meant not Robbie. Not Robbie. Chucky. Chucky. Oh, not that Chucky. What is he doing? Watching wrestling somewhere with Pennywise? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. This is getting scary. <laughs> the listeners are getting scared, Paula. <laughs> Say something sweet. Not spooky sweet. It's Halloween! Okay, say something spooky, Don. Why don't you very spookily say, we're going to take a break, and my dad and Dave will be back right after the break. One minute the comment from Chucky was, "How did, how did, how, how are you going, so I can kill your soul?" Oh no, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't want to give him too much information. I don't want my soul killed. That wasn't. It was just a joke. Oh, okay. Thank God. But hi, I'm Chucky. Ha ha ha. And one boo for the ride. <laughs> Right. And, well, my dad and Dave will be back. Boo!
Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-Inch Podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-Inch Podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast back. I want to thank the beautiful Paula Bennett for joining me there and discussing some things with me. And now it's time as we put Paula to sleep as she's got school in the morning. Uh, it's time to welcome the other lunatic on this podcast, and I say it lovingly. He's in Sopranos Town, USA, in Kearney, New Jersey. My good, close, personal friend and yours, Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? How are we doing tonight? What's up, my brother? Lunatic Fringe. I like that. Uh, Hollywood Dave Rollins here in Sopranos Town. And Sopranos Town is very interesting this week to mention that because we got the big St. Gerard's uh, Festival feast in oh, uh, sounds- North New Jersey. Which that big Sopranos episode, the ride was based after, where the statue goes around with the dollars. Remember, where's mm-hmm. his hat? Paulie yep. didn't want to pay for. <laughs> yep. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be seeing it on my TikTok this week, brother. You'll be seeing it everywhere. As long as I'm not too hungover on Sunday, I will be at the Saint Gerard's uh, uh, feast in uh, North New Jersey. It's a big uh, annual thing. It's only down to me and my mom that go now. You know, the family just keeps get cutting less and less and less. But uh, me and my mom do have plans uh, to attend. Hopefully, and hopefully, hopefully the uh, they didn't cheap out on the rides this year, and no baby bacalaos have to be injured. Um, no more rides, yeah, yeah, no more rides. There, there was a ride Thank similar God. to that when I was little that my uncle used to bring me to the the whip. It was called, and I think that that's what that ride was uh, based after. But basically, the whole thing is that it's like crazy. When I first saw that episode, I'm like, holy shit! It's Saint Gerard's feast. They called it Saint Elizir or something. You know, they put a little twist on it, I guess for. Uh, for television, but um, yeah, and the so big, Sopranos Town, the big showdown between Carmela and Adriana's mother. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brought up some. Well, uh, my daughter's dead. Yeah, yeah. That was your daughter. And Tony <laughs> tried to say she was drunk, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Uh, great episode. Um, today on the, the show, the, that's the one with the Vipers too in there. Oh yeah, the Vipers. yeah. The Vipers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get the uh, the wine. And uh, well, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Season six, part one, I guess, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, season six, part one, which I like season six, part one, and I, I do like season six, part two, but when I rewatch the show now, I always peter out somewhere in the middle of season six, part two, because I just don't want to relive everyone getting killed and stuff. I just kind of like, it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, it's like, yeah, nobody left. nothing joyful happens anymore. Kind of like sucks. wrestling now. Nobody's left. Yeah. So I just kind of bail. But, um, take a guess uh, what my least – I mean, there, there's no season I dislike of The Sopranos, but take a guess of what my least favorite season is. Well, I think know, I right? think I know it's season one, right? Season one, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Less rewatch- The least rewatchable for me for some reason. Yes. I don't know why. Six part two would be the least for me um, all right. for sure. But um, all right, let's get into the show today. So Paul and I mentioned and talked about a little bit earlier we're covering Superstars. 
Uh, I like to do these at least once a year. We did one last year where I say to Dave, Dave, pick out a show where Hulk was on a syndicated uh, episode of TV for sweeps, and uh, let's cover that. And last year we covered an episode where he wrestled Boris Zukov, and uh, this year uh, we will do a Bob Orton. So before we get into all of that, we do what we normally do in this spot, and that is we're going to talk about the arena. And it's a brand new one for us, one that we've definitely never covered before. It's called the Anaheim Convention Center. It's a major convention center in Anaheim, California, and the largest exhibition facility on the West Coast. It's located across from Disneyland. Um, It was designed by Adrian Wilson and Associates, and it opened in July of 1967. Um, They built it for about $15 million then, or $131 million in 2022 dollars. It opened on July 12th, more specifically 67. Um, it's still there today, still operational today. Oh, wow. Because with the Arrowhead Pond right there, you would think that it wouldn't be. Yeah, it holds about uh, 7,500 people for wrestling, and they had 75,000 uh, there now. Now, the thing that it might be most known for um, is that in the most recent years, it's been the home of the Winter Nam show. Um, and if you don't know what the NAMM show is, it's a huge music equipment um, convention uh, in California every year. My dad used to go every year when I was a kid uh, with his friend Jimmy, who owned a recording studio in Buffalo. Cool, uh, man. I didn't know that. Yeah, they usually have over 2,000 exhibits, 115,000 people attended in 2020, breaking a record right before COVID. They got it in because it's usually in January. Um, and it's been running at the convention center since 77, except for a three-year break in 98 to 2000 while it was being renovated and in 2021 because of the pandemic. Um, in 2008, news reports indicated that NAM's longtime lease with the convention center would end in 2020, uh, but they worked it out. Uh, ultimately, it's still there today. Yeah, obviously, uh, Steve, and, Steve and PJ go, obviously, uh, yeah. frequently. Yeah, it's a... Yeah. So a very, very, very famous and well-known place, uh, uh, convention for the music industry. Um, and, you know, like Yamaha is there or Gibson or, you know, the the, the amp companies. It's it's about the equipment that people use to make music. And it's... Somebody signing autographs, you know, Bruce yeah. Kulik from Kiss Yeah, people appear. Like yeah. Um... They'll, they'll, they'll pull off, like, random reunions or something at the so-and-so booth and... You know, Slash will play acoustic and, uh, you know, play a song or whatever. So shit, all kinds of crazy shit happens. It also served as a site for the wrestling at the 1984 Summer Olympics. Um, so they hosted the Olympics. Oh, that, oh you, you, mean, you mean that fake stuff? Yes, the fake wrestling they have at the Olympics. <laughs> uh, during the 1992 Los Angeles riots, the Los Angeles Clippers were forced to move game four of their NBA playoff series versus the Utah Jazz. Uh, Can't we all just get along? Convention Center. VidCon has been held at the Convention Center since its third annual event in 2012. Uh, I'm not really sure what VidCon is. WonderCon is also there. Um, So they, you know, imagine that Convention Center that holds a lot of conventions. Uh, Lucasfilm Star Wars Celebration Fan Gathering was held in 2015. Lots of dorks Uh, there. Nerd Fest. Yep, nerd alert. Um, There was also a Star Trek one, double nerd alert. Yep. It was a mass 
vaccination look at site. Us, look at us here doing a wrestling podcast. <laughs> Calling other people but this, nerds. But this is when wrestling was cool, though. Really. Yeah. Though. I mean, we, we get a little bit of a pass here. Yeah, we cause... hate, we despise AEW. Yeah. And almost, I wouldn't say I despise WWE nowadays, but it's getting close. If you got your vaccine in Orange County from February to June 2021, this is where you did it. Uh, so that's the arena, um, the Anaheim Convention Center. Like I said, a historic place, uh, open in 67, still open and used today. It was renovated one, two, three, four, five different times, most recently in 2015 to 17. Um, like I said, hold it 7,500 for wrestling on this night. Uh, 1,800,000 square feet, uh, so a big place. Um, and a cool venue, something a little bit different compared to the venues that we've covered um, on this show so far. So the Anaheim Convention Center for your um, information. My dad's been there. I've never been there. Dave, you know some people who've been there, but I assume you've never been there, right? Uh, no. The closest I've been is uh, I went to Disneyland once in my life in 2010. Yeah, I was at Disneyland oh, wow. in 2016. No, fourteen. My ex my ex girlfriend got her camera stolen in um in the Muppets exhibit. Okay, it kind of reminds me of uh, European vacation. You know, who who knows what they might have found in there? <laughs> <laughs> there could be some uh, video clips floating around of HDR yeah. going to business on a Hollywood Highly vacation. Unlikely, but, uh. All right, uh, Bob Orton Jr. born Robert Keith Orton Jr. on November tenth, nineteen fifty. In Kansas City, Missouri, still alive today, 71 years old, uh, married to Elaine Orton since 1968. Three children, including. Are you asking me? Uh, Randy, yeah. the gold time great. Randy Orton. Um, One of the only good things left about uh, professional wrestling today, in my opinion. Absolutely. 6'1, 242, uh, trained by Hiro Matsuda, Eddie Graham, Matsuda. and Jack Briscoe. Uh, he debuted on August 23rd, 1972. Um, championship wrestling in Florida where he broke in. He wrestled there till 1980, um, on and off. Uh, American Wrestling Association, AWA, he was there in the mid-'70s a little bit. Uh, also in 1988, he was there after leaving the WWF. Um he worked the NWA for a couple of years. WWF, his first stint was early 81 to 83, uh, where he challenged Bob Backlund uh, for the championship. So he's really kind of bouncing around the territories. And then from 84 to 87, he rejoined the WWF for be his, the most famous run of his career, often addressed as Ace Orton by Piper. He was Piper's bodyguard. He wore a cast for a long time, which was kind of his big gimmick. He had uh, broke his left forearm in a match versus Jimmy Snuka at the War to Settle the Score at MSG. And uh, he would always keep it on. He said it was doctor's orders, and he cracked people with it. Um, and uh, Good shit, man. Yeah, loaded cast. Uh, in 84, he was the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship, eventually wrestling then-current champion... Tito Santana. Tito Santana. He was unsuccessful, uh, never became... Uh, the champion there. Uh, they had a couple more good matches in uh, 86 at the Boston Garden. If you could look at it, I think it probably is a time limit draw or double count out, but uh, re really good uh, storytelling and wrestling uh, by two of the greats. Yeah, he had the long feud with Snuka in 85 and 86. 
He was involved in the main event of WrestleMania at MSG in 85. He was in the corner of Piper and Mr. Wonderful in their match against Hogan and Mr. T. Closing blow of the match, too. It was his cast that yeah. uh, caused the, the end of the match. Yeah, he accidentally cost his team the match after he attempted right. to cheat, and it backfired, resulting in him hitting Orndorff with the cast, uh, which Orndorff kind of took the blame for, turning him face, and then eventually he would have the ultimate betrayal. Uh, he competed in the main event at Saturday Night's Main Event 1 uh, on NBC in May of 85, which he lost by disqualification. I'm sure we'll cover that one if we haven't already. Did we cover that one? No, we haven't. Right? No, that's the uh, Mother's Day one, so right. we'll wait for uh, May. I think by yeah by May, uh, this past May, we were already on hiatus. So Sure. We haven't got to a Mother's Day. Uh, he took part in the 1985 King of the Ring, which we talked about last time. Uh, those house show ones where he had a double elimination against Paul Orndorff. Uh, let's see. What else did he do on this run? WrestleMania 3. Of, or Well, we'll start with WrestleMania 2. He was in the corner of Piper for the um, the boxing match. Boxing match. In New York. What did, what, did, what did Joan Rivers call him? The comedian or something? Cowboy. Because you read the card wrong. Instead of saying. Introduced eight, as. Cowboy. But- I got it right here. Ace yeah. in comedy and funny man. <laughs> Bob Orvin. <laughs> Bad Good job. Shit. Bad job, Joan. Uh, and yeah. then at WrestleMania 3, he's in the first match um, with his tag team partner, Don Morocco, and they lose to the Can-Am Connection, um, Tom Zink and Rick Martel. Uh, then uh, Morocco and Orton got into a series of matches with the Killer Bees, uh, and that was when the Bees were working their gimmick where they would Switch masks and stuff like that. Um, by 87, the team of Morocco and Orton was clearly stepping down the card. Uh, finally, at Superstars uh, of Wrestling, Orton caused him and Morocco to lose the match when Orton kept Morocco from performing a superflex, which was Orton's finishing move. Orton felt offended that Morocco was trying to steal his hold. This led to a brawl. Both wrestlers had taken place inside and outside of the ring. And on September 7th, 87, they faced off at a house show and ended in a double disqualification. His last match with the WWF came November 7th of 87 when he fought Sam Houston to a draw in Missouri. Uh, he was fired after that for getting arrested for causing disturbance at a Calgary airport. Wild. Yep, he came back in 89. Uh, can I throw something in quick? Sure. Uh, yeah. My favorite part of uh, the Orton thing there is um, his turn on Piper. When uh, Piper left after WrestleMania two, after the boxing match, Orton then became uh, Adrian Adonis. Yeah, he'd wear the pink hat. Flower shop. Yeah, he'd wear the pink hat. Wear the pink hat. And Piper came back and said, "What is this, AC Ducey, brother? What's going on here? Uh, What's going on, AC baby?" And uh, then you know Morocco, Adrian, and um, and Orton just jumped Piper on the duel. They did the duel sets in Baltimore. Piper's pit in the flower shop. That's right when I was getting into wrestling. So I love that. Piper Orton, Adonis, Morocco feud. Um, Piper was like the original, uh, you know, a lot of people say Dave Schultz is the original Stone Cold, but Piper was kind of in that role at the time as, you know, the in-between, like a good guy, but not playing by the rules, you know? So that was, that was a really good time. Yeah. Starting in the 90s then, he, he did some independent wrestling. He's also been in and out of the WWF, uh, making appearances with his son, um, he was entangled in Randy's feud with The Undertaker. 
Uh, and he's done some other things. He's been on the uh, throwback episodes of Raw a few times. He's been around. He's been at ringside watching shows. Um, and also he um, did a really cool episode uh, with um, Kayfabe Commentaries, one of the, uh, you know, one of those uh, super card ones. When I think they must have done WrestleMania 1. Must have been the one that he did. And right. he just absolutely remembered nothing. <laughs> it was <laughs> Sean was just like banging his head against the wall. He couldn't get anything out of him. But um, 2005 Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall of Fame in 2005. Greatest, greatest Hall of Fame class ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's Bob Orton Jr. And we'll get into um, his match with Hulk a little bit later. But that's enough jibber-jabber for me for now. Uh, it's time for me to step back and turn the floor over to Hollywood Dave Rollins, who will be singing an acoustic version of Primal Scream for us tonight. Uh, no. <laughs> you got to check TikTok for that, man. Oh, my bad. My get- bad. My bad. Wrong. Who's there first? Wrong card. What I meant to say is he will be telling us what Hulk was doing in May of 1987. Go, go ahead, Dave. Give us the lowdown. All right. We're going to start this time with our show. Uh, the show we're covering tonight it was at Anaheim Convention Center, like Steve said, in front of 7,500 people. A superstars of wrestling TV taping held on May 12th. And uh, the match aired on May 23rd. Hulk Hogan and Cowboy Bob Borden. We're going to get into depth on that later. But then in a dark match, the Hulkster went over King Harley Race to close out the show. Now, Steve. Hulk always did the dark matches on his ta- on these tapings, but never had a match, or rarely had a match. So this is one of the few times where Hulk wrestled twice, right, on a card that I can lucky think of right ducks. now. Lucky yeah, lucky, lucky Yeah, ducks. I know maybe did some shit like that on Nitro back uh, back in the day, but um, yeah, you got two Hulk matches there in Anaheim on uh, May 12th, some good shit there. Next day, San Diego, May 13th, Wrestling Challenge taping, 7,500, dark match, Hulk Hogan against the Gondon Headhunter Kamala. May 14th, Fresno, California, the Selland Arena, Hulkster again over Kamala. The 17th, Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens, not the make-believe gardens. These was the real thing, the Maple Leaf Gardens. Hulk Hogan over the King, Harley Race, after Race missed a diving headbutt and ran into Hulk Hogan's championship belt that he had set down there on top of the Hulkster. After, Hulkster rolled him up for the pin, and then after the match, while Hulk was uh, posing, Hogan must pose, uh, the King returned to the ring and leveled the Hulkster, bloodying him, which would lead to a series of Texas death matches in June coming up. Uh, the next day, 518, uh, MSG, Master Square Garden, 16,800. Seems about a 1,000 or two shy, shy of a sellout. Uh, Hogan over Harley is the same exact thing that happened the night before, so I don't need to explain it. But I have a little bit of experience with this one. They uh, WWF would run MSG every month. But uh, they hadn't run. They didn't run in March because of WrestleMania three. So they did the big screen uh, closed circuit at the Garden instead. And then there, for some reason, there was no April show either. So at being a six year old kid, I had moved over from watching WOR Channel nine to uh, TV twenty nine Philadelphia because Superstars was on earlier in the day. I, I realized that. We, we had the Philadelphia Channel, too, here in Kearney, New Jersey at that time. It was weird, that shit. Uh, who knows why we had that. It went away eventually. So I would get the Philly cards So I didn't, you know, in the event center. So I didn't realize that this was happening. And I remember my dad, just we came home from somewhere and just, like, blasting the volume to Real American. Ogun was coming down the aisle. 
Uh-huh. And I come come running in from playing with my LJNs, and Hulk came out. It's been a, it had been a while since he came out in a red shirt, a red Hulkamania shirt. It was always the yellow. And I said, "What what are you watching? You, you put a tape in?" He's like, "No, nah, this, this is live, brother. This is going on. Hogan and the King. I'm like, what? You know?" And just like went went nuts. Like I never forget it. So I had to explain to me like, "Stop watching the Philadelphia. You got to realize you know, when the gar- they're not going to tell you when the Garden shows are going to be on." Very cool. A little tip, yeah, yeah, a little tidbit there. Next day, uh, May twenty second, Providence Civic Center in front of seventy two hundred in Rhode Island. Listen to this matchup: Hulk Hogan and Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeat former World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. What a main event that is! Very cool. May twenty third, May twenty third, Hartford Civic Center, eleven thousand. The Hulkster over the Macho Man Randy Savage. Even this late, you know, we're getting close to a Savage uh, face turn couple months down the line but these guys it, this it always drew they always went back to the drawing board with the hulkster and the macho man and then uh finally uh, pay 26 hacksaw jim duggan and the iron sheik are arrested right here on the new jersey oh, parkway yeah. on on their way to asbury park for their big match and uh against sheik and, uh was going to be hacksaw and uh ken patera against the sheik and volkov they got they got arrested out there. Haxel had a little bit of pot on him. He made the mistake of telling the police officer that because he was drinking a beer at the wheel, and you're allowed to do that in Louisiana. And he was living in had just been living in Louisiana. He was new to the WWF, even though he grew up in Glens Falls, New York. He had been living in Louisiana, so he told the and it was a, I'm sorry, a weird circumstance that he even was with the Sheik because they had bumped into each other at the airport or something, and the Sheik kind of hit correct. him up for a ride. Yeah. You know the sheik. The sheik knew better, and Hacksaw didn't. It was one of those deals. Right, and sheik had the and cocaine. Sheik, sheik had cocaine on him. He had like three grams, which is enough to. If he had one gram on him, it wouldn't have been such a big deal. But three grams intended to distribute, even though it wasn't. It was obviously all for him. And sheik is not. You were. You're just work WrestleMania three. He's not distributing cocaine, and um, <laughs> and uh, so they, uh, you know, they got popped. They left the car right on the parkway. <laughs> and uh, they, the cops brought him back for the match, and Hacksaw thought that nobody would know about it. George Steele was the um, uh, what's the word I'm sur- the uh, agent. searching for here? The agent for yep. the show. Yep. And you know he was cool, so he was just kind of like whatever. I don't say nothing. But then uh, I don't know how how it got around. But the next day, it was in the paper, right? It was in the, the New York Post, I everywhere, think. everywhere. Sheik was fired. He he came back for a little while the next summer. Hacksaw. You know, they they brought him back in a couple of months because he was you know he was getting over so well, and I think they realized that you know he was kind of tricked by but the sheik. He says it was never quite the same after that for him. Yeah, I know. In his I know. Opinion. I to beg, in his opinion, that kind of begs a different that because he he really Axel was always held pretty high up there. He feuded with Andre. I and mean, he events. won the Royal Rumble after that. You know what I mean? In yeah. '88. So, I, but I mean, made <laughs> made events with Andre. Yeah. Made events with Macho King. Yeah, I sort of disagree you know, with him too, but. That's Earthquake, his opinion. Main events. Yeah. I don't know what he opinion. thinks would have happened if maybe that didn't happen. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe like a warrior role. Maybe he thought he might have been coming into like the guy that they want to eventually replace Hulkster. I don't think I don't so. know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. Big Hacksaw guy. He's, he's probably one of the nicest guys in, in the business. Yeah. I liked and, he and, did uh, a podcast with Sean Mooney for a little bit and I liked it. But Hacksaw didn't. He didn't like doing it. So he bowed pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully he's his health is uh, you know his ups and downs with his health. So hopefully uh, 
he's doing well uh, at this time. Uh, Hacksaw, a great guy. And uh, Shiki Baby, you know, you got to love him no matter what, even though whoever's running his uh, social media make, make a constant fool out of him. But, uh, right. you know, yeah, those brothers pay or whatever their, from Toronto. They'll pay their, yeah, they're yeah. not doing the same thing to Virgil. They'll, they'll pay their dues someday. It'll get back to them. Uh, last year when I was in Jersey, my brother and I went to Asbury Park to see Pearl Jam. And when we were getting in the car, getting ready to go, I was like, dude, you don't have any cocaine, do you? And he's like, <laughs> he's looking at me like, what the fuck's wrong with you? I was like, of course not. And I'm like, all right, because I got rid of all my pot. Don't drink any beers. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, I know this road, brother, and the police are hard on dudes driving with cocaine pot and beer. So we got to make sure we're clean. He's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So I told him, and he's like, I, I can't believe you. Look in the car. Let's go. So, And always on this date or right around Memorial Day weekend, if I remember, I'll drink St. Pauli Girl's beer because Hacks always says that was the beer that she made him <laughs> stop for and get. But see, the, the, the big thing was uh, McMahon, Vince didn't care that much about the drugs and the arrest it was that that they were together and cheek yeah and it wasn't like Haxel was driving with like iron mike sharp you know what i mean a bad guy he was driving with the iron Sheik, his yep. opponent you know what i mean which <laughs> it's, it's really little, rough little on Haxel's gimmick yeah i mean his whole thing was yeah. he wasn't gonna let volkov sing that anthem and who's in the ring with him every time Sheik. so really bad look when i right around this time when i was a kid my my uncle worked at budget rent-a-car at the buffalo airport and he would always report to me. He'd be like, I seen this wrestler and he was with this wrestler and they're such phonies. They're supposed to hate each other <laughs> together. And I never, I'm like, that didn't happen. You're lying. And because what happened was leading into WrestleMania three, he told me he read in the newspaper that Andre was going to win. And when Andre didn't win, I never believed another word he said, because I thought yeah. he was just lying to rile me up. Um, but right. I, I, I should go back to him. I was like, did that, you know, did you really see these what wrestlers did you see together or whatever? See what was really true. But he claimed that the good guys and the bad guys were always renting cars together and driving away together. From Well, they, they did. But like I said, like Iron Mike Sharp and, um, you know, SD Jones or something. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not the not the feud. You know what I mean? Like, like sure. Hulk, and, Hulk and Andre rolling up to the Pontiac Silverdome together. That's funny. All right. Anything yeah. else from Hulk in uh, May of 87? That'll do it, man. We're gonna we're gonna end it there with a, on a party note. All right, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna dig into the news. May of '87. We're also going to go over the whole card. Superstars, May twenty third, nineteen eighty seven, and we're gonna go through blow by blow. Hawks match versus Orton. We'll grade it. You ready, dude? Ready to rock. All right, we'll be right back. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Welcome to the Memorial Day weekend edition of the Superstars of Wrestling. Hello, everyone. I'm Vince McMahon, along with, of course, Jesse the Body Ventura and wrestling's living legend, Bruno San Martino. Stand by, everybody. We have all kinds of action headed your way this week. Four inch podcast back here. 
doing the third episode of the second season, which I know is very weird, but we had an eight-month hiatus, so what can you do? We're only three episodes into this baby, and season three is right around the corner already. All right, lots of business. We got to get to the superstars from 5-23-87, but before we do that, Dave, it's time to read the news! Dave, May of 1987, and on May 1st, Pope John Paul II beatifies a Jewish-born nun. What does it mean to beatify someone? Well, I hope it's nothing sexual because it's a nun. <laughs> but uh, like Paulie Wool, going back to Paulie Walnuts, you know what I mean? Did he but, did um, he sing her that like "Hey Majesty" or something? Or I don't know, but I know he was coming from the Pontiac Silverdome which drew less of a crowd than WrestleMania 3 right after this. So that, right that's the same that's time. right. Yeah, he didn't draw quite the crowd that WrestleMania did. Nope. Beatify. Um, in the Roman Catholic Church, announce the beatification of, okay, what's a beatification? Uh, by the Pope that a dead person is in a state of bliss, constituting a first step towards canonization and permitting public veneration all right so i guess it's the first step towards being a saint in layman's terms so it's a good thing uh, yeah i guess and either stein a, a jewish jewish born nun uh began that process on on may 1st in uh, 1987 all anytime right. uh any old days you know uh, well, i probably shouldn't say this but if anybody said anything you know back in the 80s about a uh, family, about a, some someone Jewish, oh, that Jew or whatever. Yeah, my right. grandmother would always say back, you know, Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> he was. They're the chosen ones, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a really, really interesting thing. On this day is the website we use for this. We always say we're going to find another one because we, we catch him in lies all the time. But listen to this story. And tell me what you, th- what you think they're trying to say here. May 3rd, the Miami Herald reports a woman... Spent Friday and Saturday with Gary Hart. <laughs> Gary Hart, the, the wrestling manager? <laughs> no. <laughs> we read that again. And you can email I mean, us. You can email us to 4inchpodcast at gmail.com if you have any idea yeah. what the hell they're talking about. I mean, I've spent plenty of Friday and Saturday <laughs> nights uh, with a woman. I'm sure we all have. I mean, you're married, so you spend every Friday and Saturday night with a woman. <laughs> One more time. Miami Herald reports a woman... Spend Friday and Saturday night with Gary Hart. Now, if you cross out Gary Hart and write in like Elton John, you know, maybe maybe we're onto something there. But uh, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. May fifth, yeah, Congress Congress begins the Iran Contra hearings, and I remember coming home from school every day and walking into my kitchen, and my mom would be ironing, watching these on the thirteen inch color TV we had in the kitchen. Yeah, I hope Sheik and uh, Hacksaw weren't listening to AM radio there on the parkway listening to that stuff. Yeah, that would be a double downer for that day. Yeah, St. Pauli girls beer. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Oh, May 5th, the Detroit Tigers are 11 games back in the American League, but they go on to win the American League. So good for them. And it's timely because the nine Mets uh, this year blew a a 10-and-a-half game lead to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, yes, uh, my friend, uh, very, very dear, close person, a longtime friend, Robert Gersemeyer, uh, 
was at a lot of the Mets games, and uh, he decided not to go this past Sunday night for the big loss, and uh, we were together at the bar for it. And a shout out, shout out to our friend Chet, who is a Braves fan and enjoys. He the, is a Braves fan. Uh, the comeback. He didn't answer. He, he did, didn't give a question this week, though. He he, he pulled a Tim Mangione on us. And right. Tim Mangione did not pull a Tim Mangione this week. Maybe a foul up here. Maybe, maybe it's a whole saga. But on May sixth, Gary Hart denies an affair with model Donna Rice. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Also, Not just, he didn't. But did he deny one night or two nights? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just not enough information. I need to know more about. Gar- and, 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 and this can't be our Gary Hart. No, it can't be. There's got to be another Gary Hart. Another, there's another Gary Hart that, somewhere that the Miami Herald is so into. I don't know. I'm gonna try to find out more because, oh, he's pro- they probably mean the former U.S. senator. Ah, uh-huh. Gary they're Hart. They're getting themselves into some kind of shit. They are. And he was a senator. Let's see what he was doing uh, from Colorado at this time. Now, let's see. His term had just ended in January of 87. Let me see if there's a scandal listed here. We may have cracked. I mean, if, if, if you're going to be a politician or anything like that in Senate, you might as well just become a fucking priest because you're not allowed to do anything. <laughs> yeah, I think we may have cracked. Every little thing. I think we may have cracked the case. I, I think that the thing here is is that he was a married man. And a senator, and he got caught with a couple of ladies, and it got reported. He did run for president in '88, though. Ladies of the night. He ran for president in '88. Yeah. Caucus. A Democrat primary. Yeah, in the primaries, Democratic Party primaries didn't win, obviously. Um, All right, let's move on. American televangelist Jim Baker and Rich Dorch dismissed from the Assemblies of God after relevate. Revelations of an alleged rape of a church secretary named uh, Bruce Pritchard, Jessica Hahn. Oh yes, yes, of course. Yeah, of well, speaking of that, all this stuff was going on at this time while Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon were gathering ideas for our very beloved evangelist character. Yes, brother, love. love. That's right. Uh, May seventh, Diane Chambers' final episode. On the TV comedy Cheers, of course, Shelley Long played the character and um, ended her run on Cheers, which would make way to the very beautiful um, Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley. Yeah, I came in there. Yeah, to take that. that Can't forget about, uh, I never really watched Cheers. I was more of like a, uh, you know, different strokes, growing pains, full house, you know, I was a kid. So I was more into that. But uh, Kirstie Alley, of course, the great Look Who's Talking, uh, which I'm, me and Tim are, a major, uh, one of the greatest scenes in movie history. Uh, the guy from the Goldbergs, he just passed away recently. I can't remember. George Siegel. Yep. He uh, he, he shows up because he's a kid's real father. Mm-hmm. And he shows up and John Travolta is babysitting Mikey. And he John Travolta won't let him in. And the guy's like, I'm the kid's father. Let me see. And you know, John Travolta starts questioning him. What's his favorite cereal? What's his favorite teddy bear? Whatever. And the guy finally... George Eagle finally pulls out his wallet. Here, how much you paying you? Go play some video games. And that just that just pop it pops the shit out of us. Tim's listening to this right now, throwing his phone down on some bus somewhere, going to somewhere in LA. Uh, listen to me say that. Love, love that line from Look Who's Talking. Well, Paul and I love this movie, and it debuted on this day, um, back in 1989, I believe. Uh, I saw that today. Uh, today's the date it was released as we record today. 
All right. What movie's that? Look who's talking. Look who's talking. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that definitely was a fall release. Yeah, today was great uh, movie. Today was the release date. Follow ups. Follow ups. Not so much. Nothing for me. I did part three with because I like dogs. I could watch it, but um, yeah, part part one is is clearly the best. It's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal movie. And a little advanced. I remember that. Uh, in school, you know, we'd watch movies at the end of the year, and a lot of people were requesting that. And, you know, we're in third or fourth grade, and teachers like, you know, it's a little too, you know, I'm not allowed to. Really? Yeah, you know, too, too sexual. You know, <laughs> little, you know yeah. sperm running around in there and, you know, kind of yeah, I guess so. stuff like that in your window. Fair enough. Definitely would be fine today. <laughs> it'd be, yeah, yeah. Today. It'd be way too tame today. Uh, May 13th, the NHL Campbell Conference Final, the Edmonton Oilers with Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier, the great teams of the 80s, beat the Detroit Red Wings four games to one. And uh, keep this in mind uh, for later. Uh, keep that in mind. Um, all right. So what else happened? The next day, May 14th, the uh, Prince of Wales Conference in the NHL, the Flyers, Beat Montreal four games to two to set up the Oilers versus Flyers Stanley Cup final. Uh, May 15th, the last episode of The Late Show with Joan Rivers uh, after she's fired by the Fox Network who wanted to replace her with... Okay, this is way before the Chevy Chase show on yep. Fox. They were trying to get um, this person to replace her. Before I get back to that, can you believe that this got to be the first 24-inch podcast with the name Joan Rivers come up not once but twice? Right. It's a big Joan, that big Joan Rivers Oh, night. God. I don't want to – I like. I don't know the sports stuff well, but this kind of stuff I do know because I, I want to guess it, but I also don't want to waste a lot of time. So just throw – So give me, throw, give, me, give me a hint. Uh, give radio, me a hint. radio guy. Radio guy. Radio guy from back in uh, 1987. How about Don Imus? Close. Howard Stern was who. Oh they wow, the biggest radio guy ever. We're just talking about him in '87. Yeah, he was at K Rock by then uh, in New York. Had worked at NBC. Um, NBC. How, how do you say it? WNBC. Yep, from the movie Pig Vomit. Yeah, Pig Vomit. Who? His name is Paul Giamatti, and I did not realize until just recently his dad was Bart Giamatti, the baseball commissioner. I never put that together. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I actually knew that. He there's a good movie I'd always catch late night on HBO about ten years ago, and it was with Burt Young, you know, from Rocky, and, yeah. and from The Sopranos, and he was trying to. They were trying to take his house away from him, and the wife was trying to stop him. It's just like kind of just like a a movie you're just passing by and you get stuck on it. It's called I think it's called like Win Win or something like that. But uh, I enjoyed it. It was based in New Jersey. Anytime there's a movie or a show that's being filmed. In, you know, I know it's New Jersey. I'll always, I'll always watch it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, win, win, or win, fat ass win, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, the first May nineteenth, the first American Comedy Award show is held. The Best Actress and Comedian Award goes to. Uh well, okay. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Chevy Chase. Thank you for being a friend. Golden Girls. Yeah, one of the Golden Girls is the winner. B. Arthur. Nope. Um, uh, what's the chick just died? Yep. Uh, that's the one you want. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's well, uh, what her name? It's fucking famous. I'm just having a brain fart. Betty what's White. Betty White. And, and she was kind of like, she wasn't like the main, like B. Arthur and her mother were kind of more like the main. Right? Yeah. But Rose was, the, too, you know, she was the, uh, the, the one who was funny, you know? Yeah. I, I really didn't watch her uh, regular, regularly. Yeah. Back pa- then. I mean, I know, I, I know the song, you know, right. 
<laughs> Paul and I, big fans. Uh, really? Comedian and TV host award goes to? Comedian and TV host. All right, so TV host, a, a Johnny Carson was still around. Correct. The winner. All right. Johnny Carson. So, Johnny Carson takes it. Yep, 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 yep. May 20th. Big- the best. The best, too. I went back. Go back. Sometimes he's on. I don't know what channel I catch him on. Yeah, very good. Wow, it's good. Very, very good. He had the whole. He had the Hulkster on before he was WWF champion. Yeah, I that's love, saying something about Hulk Hogan. I love just him from on the Rocky there. movie. Yeah, I love when just I, from the Rocky movie. People think that's like '84 after he won the WWF title, but no, man, that actually is from the AWA days, and he made Johnny Carson. That, why do you think Vince scooped him up that quick, brother? Nothing better though than. The great Rodney Dangerfield on The Tonight Show. Yes, I'm a fan. All I know is I got a lot of balls. (laughs) I'll ask Paula to do her Rodney Dangerfield impression for everyone. All right. Ladybugs. uh, Ladybugs, phenomenal. That's your favorite line. man, this is the men's room. And that kid's dead, the the Martha. Yeah, Jonathan Brandis. Yeah, uh, yeah, he he was really good. It's kind of one of those child actor... uh, Tragedies. kind of deals right yeah, he couldn't yeah. get anything yeah, yeah. He, I, I i enjoyed him he was good it's a shame may 20th a big wrestling news jerry lawler sues the wwf and harley race for the trademark name the king mm-hmm. uh, i guess i could kind of understand that to to a degree but i mean um i mean there's kings every every tv show there's a king every this or that there's a king you know it's not like it's an original gimmick I think he, but, uh, he won a judgment that he was he did own it like in Memphis or Tennessee and maybe one of the yeah I think he, in certain areas uh, yeah. Harley just had to come out just as Harley yep. yep. I think there's even a, a Toronto one where Gorilla's like oh what the Beacon Theater take back all that junk that the that the brain stole you know the the crown and the Crown, crown in the robe. Gorilla would say that the brain stole it from the Beacon Theater. He was there. He had proof. Phenomenal. But I, that might have something to do the, uh, you know, the court case might have been sure. pending or something at that time. Right. Yeah. May <laughs> May twenty second, a Texas tornado kills thirty people. Um, then it killed himself. Yeah. Then he, yeah. Very very much. Ah, uh, so I edit that out. I don't. I don't want to be that kind of guy. Uh, well, let's just assume Dave is not that kind of guy. He made a bad joke. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if I'm going to remember to pull it out or not. Yeah. I'll try to. <laughs> uh, May 24th, the Golden Gate Bridge, 50th anniversary. Over 8,000 people show up. 300,000 walk on the bridge at the same time. Um, but they were really there, brother, to see Jesse and the Rippers play forever. They were. That's what it was all about. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they temporarily flattened the, uh, the bridge from the weight. Well, they didn't temporarily flatten Jody Sweden's tits. I'll tell you that much. Oh, those are beauties these days, yeah. After her crack addiction cleared up, she uh yeah. she turned out okay. Uh May twenty I actually went to go I went to go meet her last year at the Chiller Theater, mm-hmm. but there was a bomb threat. Can you believe it? A bomb threat? It kind of makes sense. Oh, uh, because there were bombs. No, yeah. It's, yeah, it got evacuated. <laughs> the police found bomb two threat. bombs on site. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm not making any of this up. Uh, May 24th, the Indianapolis 547-year-old and now part-time driver wins his record-tying fourth Indy title in a huge upset. Dave, who is that driver? Oh, uh, Dale Earnhardt something. No, Al Unser Sr. Al Unser. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say that next. <laughs> I think I'm sure you were. Uh, no, I don't think you knew that. 
I know Al. I don't know if you would have said who won the uh, 87. I probably would have said Mario Andretti or something like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. What else do we got here? Running out, finishing the month. Um, May 27th, New York Yankees knuckleballer Phil Necro is the third pitcher to make his 700th start, joining Cy Young and Don Sutton. Uh, kind of cool. That's a lot of damn starts, I'll tell you that much. Uh, May, 20, May 29th, a jury finds Twilight Zone, the movie director, John Landis, innocent of involuntary manslaughter and the death of actor Vic Morrow and two child actors during filming. Wait, what, John Landis? Am I thinking of the guy from the making of Thriller? Probably the same guy, yeah. And he was accused of killing somebody? Involuntary manslaughter and the death of actor Vic Morrow and two others during On filming. set? Like, like, like Sting? Sting. Probably, like, uh, yeah. The Crow? Yeah, I would assume so. I've never heard of that in my life. Yeah, May is that his name? Something like John Landis. Welcome to the. You never see the making of Thriller. It was a big, big MTV thing when we were kids. It was um, a v- VHS. You rented it. You picked it. John. Hmm. Maybe it's the wrong guy, but whatever. That's a, crazy. I never heard of that before. All, wow. All five acquitted in three deaths on a film set. Um, there's an article from the New York Times, and it is the same John Landis for sure, because I can see his picture here. I can't, yeah. I can't read the text though; it's too small. But yeah, wow, he see, always seemed like a, you know from that making thriller, you know, anything you watch as a kid, he seemed like a really like cool guy. You know what I mean? Like decent human being. That's that's sad to to, to learn that now. All these, although I mean, later, he but, was found not guilty. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, yeah, accidents happen. Look at uh, I'm a fan of Vince Russo. And you know he gets he gets I think he's a good guy. A lot of people right, disagree with me, heart, yeah. but he gets very own heart. And you know he even has issues with the Hulkster, my favorite celebrity of all time, not just in wrestling, but of all time. But I like Vince Russo. Sorry. So a seven man, five woman jury deliberated nine days before finding the thirty six year old filmmaker innocent of five counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection with the July twenty third, nineteen eighty two helicopter crash. Um. Let's see. The other three guys were acquitted. The 15 verdicts were read to a silent courtroom. Uh, there's a media circus outside. Some of the events team had given the V for victory sign as they entered the courtroom. Um, the five defendants were accused of criminal negligence in July of 1982. Uh, they were struck and killed by a B-1 helicopter during the late night filming of a mock Vietnam battle scene at Indiana <laughs> Dune Park near Sawgrass. You know what it reminded me of? When Andre the Giant almost gets to three at the beginning of WrestleMania three on Hogan. Hulk tries to body slam and Andre falls on him. Obviously, Hulk's shoulder up. Andre holds up two. So I remember saying, like, to you know, to the adults, my uncle and dad, like, Andre's even saying it's two. Well, I think he was questioning, right? He held up two. No, like, he was with holding the question. Up, No, he was holding. No, I think victory. Like you just said. Oh, okay. For victory. Oh, That's what they said to me. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you say so. May 30th, I, yeah, I <laughs> Mike Tyson beats Pinklin Thomas by TKO in round six. Can't believe it went that round that long. We talked about this yeah, last God, time. About thank what... God he didn't, yeah, we did, but thank God he didn't lose to a guy with that name. Yeah. May 31st, the last one, the Stanley Cup final in Edmonton. The Oilers beat the Flyers 3-1 to one to win the title four games to three for the Oilers' third Stanley Cup championship. And that is the news from May of 1987. Yep, yep. 
All right, Dave. With all that said, it is the Superstars of Wrestling. Uh, May 23rd, 1987. It was recorded on May 12th, 1987 in Anaheim, California. 7,500. That's a sellout. Uh, the announcers today, the usual trio of Vince McMahon, Jesse the Body Ventura, and Bruno San Martino. All right, we start right away out of the gate. Mean Gene's in the back with Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan gives a promo about. Which is very rare for, for the superstars. It yep. almost had like a Saturday Night's Made Event feel there. Yep, and uh, Hogan is talking about Memorial Day and how he is dedicating the match to all of the veterans who uh, we remember on Memorial Day. Uh, after that, the first match of the night is Jerry Monte versus the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, Jesse notes that Hulk has dedicated his match to him tonight. That, that's just ammo for Jesse for the, yep. the, the whole time. He, he did it at Survivor Series and anytime Hulk, uh, you know, came down with the flag or something like that. Me and he's right to a point, but. Jesse's not didn't pay the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> it's what the ultimate sacrifice means. Right, killed. And Memorial Day is for fallen veterans, and Jesse, exactly. Jesse's day would be more Veterans Day, mm. which is coming up. Uh, mm. Ricky Steamboat says he'll be a fighting champion, and that it's going to be the year of the dragon. It was not. Uh, that's a little pop up promo during the match in the box on the top left corner. Uh, Macho Man makes quick work here, drops the elbow, and pins Jerry. Stepping on his chest, arm in the air, finger pointed to this guy. One, two, three. Uh, next is a special report with Craig DeGeorge. I just want to throw in um, sure. on the match. Uh, they would do, um, for that little stint before Honky took the title from Steamboat, they would always announce Savage as the former Intercontinental Champion when yep. he's coming down to the ring. And I thought that was bizarre. They never really did that for anybody else. I wonder what that was if that was, you know, we know the whole thing with Steamboat leaving to have the kid and all. I wonder if that was leading to something. Like, why that every squash match Savage had. Usually, if somebody lost the title, it would just be like from Sarasota, Florida, went 239, Macho Man Savage. But no, they always, on every show, they, they put that in there for some reason. But then once Steamboat lost it to Honky, they stopped doing that. So, it's one of those things. I think it, I think it was going somewhere. And Jerry Monty just looks like, uh, you know, anybody you might see, like, you know, hanging out with your dad back in 87 or something. You don't really some creep. Yeah, Jerry, but, Monty, uh, Jerry Monty's a huge bust and no match with the Macho <laughs> Man here. And he gets his, what, 75 bucks for one minute and 33 seconds away. Yeah, he's showed his face quite a lot in the West Coast uh, tapings. All right, special report with Craig DeGeorge. He's reporting on a hip injury to superstar Billy Graham. Uh, they show a clip of Billy Graham in the ring, squashing a bum. Uh, DeGeorge says that Dr. Lawrence Doerr thinks that his career is over. He's got to have a hip replacement surgery. Uh, Dr. Doerr is showing us on a skeleton that he's going to put this metal thing in, and it's not going to happen for Superstar, but the Superstar disagrees. He's, they show him outside of the hospital with crutches, and he says he will return. Mark this is the stuff that's word. missing, Steve. This is stuff that's missing. As a six-year-old kid, and the next I'm thing. so invested in this and yeah, learning. Hold, hold that thought. Hold that Ooh. thought. Let me give the next yeah. thing because they kind of go together. So after that, it's a Killer Con vignette. Um, really coolly shot, this kind of dark, eerie thing with candles. Mr. Fuji's narrating it, and he says that Killer Con is the face of fear. So, yeah, the, this these two things are an example of something you'd never see today. 
Um, and it's stuff that you're, we ate up in our era for sure. You're learning, and you're, you're in, you know, asking my dad, who, who's this guy, superstar Billy Graham? Then you'll learn all about him. I, I, I'm interested because he seems so cool too. He always talks in the third person. Superstar Billy Graham did this. Superstar Billy Graham did that. And that match they actually showed was from way back in September. His comeback match. He was supposed to come back then, but when he got Bob Bradley up in that bear hug, his his hip went out, and so that's when you know the whole deal happened where he had to have the surgery. They showed the sur- They actually showed the actual surgery. On national TV, the blood, the drills going in—it's wild. There's a couple, you know, a couple of these updates. A couple of weeks later, it got to that. But yeah, man, it, it was just—it was just so you cared, and then then you see Killer Khan, like, holy shit, I'm afraid of this guy. With, uh, he's going to get the holster, right? Or if not, he's going to get Ricky Steamboat or JYD or Tito. Somebody's going to get hurt, mm-hmm. and I'm scared. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to get. Are they going to make his LJN so I can beat it up? You know what I mean? What, what happened? You know? And I know I, I don't understand. when I seen Killer Khan in person a month later, this is what I was thinking of. You know, how serious they presented Killer Khan and how afraid of him I was. And I, the eerie uh, video with him and the candles and food. Very eerie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very well done. Very, very eerie. Because like, it was like not everything has to be the big Sunday football game. You're a bigger sports fan than me, but. All week long, right, on ESPN, they're explaining things. This guy, this quarterback is new, and he came from this college, and he did this, and he did that. and He's looking this way. This is what these shows were. Everything wasn't the big Sunday game. You know, you you have to learn a little bit about something you're watching and not just watch stuff. Imagine just watching football just for the – just for – oh, he threw up. I want to see every pass perfect, and I want to see every – every interception being made and every no you want to know why you know who this guy is where he came from what college he came from and it just it's just it's something that's just been been terribly terribly lost absolutely professional wrestling yeah up next buddy Ryder and one of dave's heroes dave barbie are in tag team action against he is one of my heroes from king of prussia pennsylvania yes in the ring against hillbilly jim and another one of dave's favorites outback jack this is true. Yeah. Uh, and did you notice Outback Jack had a Killer Con hairstyle there going uh, that had to be a Dynamite Kid rib on there? <laughs> Dynamite uh, actually, apparently tortured this guy. Yeah. They found Outback Jack. This is legit. And in the spring of 86, they did this big uh, Australian tour down under. And they actually found him from enjoying his, his company in the bars. He was a lot of fun. He drank. He drank this and that. They sent him to Stu Hart, Calgary, for like a month. That's why we were getting all those vignettes. We got like three months of Outback Jack vignettes because he wasn't ready. Stu Hart said, you know, he wasn't ready. So the vignettes went on and on and on and on. Finally comes in and, you know, ring-wise, he was never ready. But they had big plans for this, this guy. But I think the whole idea why Fuji and Dynamite and these guys – talked Vince and, and Pat into bringing him over is because they could get him back for the, you know, they were on his turf in Australia with his friends in the bars. Then once he came to the States and was touring with them, they're on his turf. And I mean, they're on our turf now. They're on the wrestler's turf. And the gimmick and was obviously just, they, heavily influenced by the movie. The um, Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they uh, tortured the poor guy. They show a little pop-up 
uh, promo with uh, Hillbilly Jim and Jack. They're sharing their native foods. Um, some black eyed peas from Hillbilly Jim and some crocodile soup uh, from Jack. Another nothing match. Two minutes and 24 second, um, second, and Jack gives Ryder a bulldog for the pin. So these somebody guys, said, yeah, somebody said that uh, one of those guys, I don't know, it's Hillbilly or uh, it had to be Hillbilly. So I don't think I've ever seen an Outback Jack shoot interview, although, although I have met him. Uh, that uh, they were actually in discussion for the belts, taken from the hearts. Wow, because they were. I mean, Hillbilly was Hillbilly was incredibly over. Always, that would have been something when, when it was, and they they were try, yeah they were trying uh, for Outback to to get him over. I liked him as a kid because all those vignettes, the vignettes sold me. I'm like, this guy's cool. You know, he's like someone you see on Sesame Street. I you know, if I watch wrestling, I'd watch Sesame Street. I had not seen the movie. Oh, I had. Time. Yeah, I had. Yeah, but uh, you know, it, it was just like you know some friendly bloke. You know, but so then even though him. like he his um his physique. Was was terrible. Was 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 not becoming of a a professional wrestler, and um, I really I think they talked Vince into bringing him in just so, so they could torture him on the road. It lasted about a year, year and a half. He got a he got a wrestling figure out of it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, I got an LJ, and it was very hard to find. We got one. Um, next up is the first of many times we see Mean Gene. Now, I was watching a copy of this from the Detroit affiliate. So this is one of many promos that Gene does for a May 31st card in Detroit. And the first wrestler to promote with him is the Hulkster, who makes his second appearance on the show today via this promo specialized for the Detroit market. Um, And he cuts a promo on Kamala, who he will be wrestling at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit later that month. mine was um the one i watched it on was uh boston market okay not Bo- not boston market it's rotisserie chicken place, right but the actual boston market sure <laughs> and um it was actually on my birthday june, my seventh birthday june 6 87 against against uh the king harley race very cool next up it's one man gang versus jesse cortez um let's see we get a quick slick promo one Man Gang and Slick in the promo in the square this time. They talk about how tough One Man Gang is. Uh, at 147, it's an elbow drop from the middle turnbuckle. Uh, not quite as airily gifted as the Macho Man, but still drops an elbow and gets the one, two, three. One Man Gang wins that one. I believe this may have been his debut, unless they already had something on challenge. Very close to his debut. Um, I think it was. Well, and. Uh, Speaking of debuts, after the match, Jesse says he has big news. He has heard that Bobby Heenan has a new tag team. He's got that information for us. We'll hear more about it later. Uh, Now we're back to Mean Gene, again promoting the Detroit show. And I mentioned it during the news. Gene takes time to congratulate the Detroit Red Wings and their head coach on a fantastic season. And he says that hockey is back in Detroit. Uh, Gene's son played college hockey at the University of Minnesota and played a few NHL games. I think he had two or, That's right. two or three NHL games. So big hockey guy, Gene, and he gives a shout-out to the Detroit Red Wings here. And then we get a Coco Beware promo, and Coco's all kinds of pumped about coming to Detroit and wrestling. Uh, next, we get a video of George Steele getting hit with the bell by Danny Davis on Saturday's main event. 
And Vince says that George will get his revenge on that no good piece of crap Danny Davis cheater. Got yeah. a cage match right here in the Meadowlands. Next up, Kempatera versus the Gladiator. I do not believe it's Russell Crowe. It's some jabroni under a hood. That is Rick Hunter. Rick Hunter. He also uh, yeah. worked as a face, too. What a good go back and forth. That's like why we have Dave here, so he can tell us that <laughs> it was, in fact, not Russell Crowe, but it was um, Ricky Hunter. Ricky Hunter. Uh, Ralphie, big fan of the movie Gladiator. No idea if the Gladiator <laughs> was his favorite jobber or not, though. Uh, not as much a fan of the movie that Christopher recommended. Who, who was the Who was the only? I, I asked uh, Soup this question, and he didn't get it. Uh, I think he'll appreciate this. Who was the only professional wrestler ever mentioned by name on The Sopranos? Hmm. Do I recall a professional wrestler being mentioned by name? Give me a season. There is one. Uh, it's got to be season six. Season six. So later on, huh? Uh, let me guess that it was probably it Jesse AJ. Cortez. A professional wrestler. Yeah, Jesse Cortez. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. oh are you a jobber. But <laughs> you are very close with the name. Oh, uh, Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura. When AJ was in bed with a uh, Spanish chick, girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. She's like, you share a birthday with Jesse Ventura. Oh. And he's like, he's like, who? <laughs> she's like, it's Ventura. He's a politician. I don't even remember that. Yeah. I'm surprised. Again, season six, part two, kind of my blind spot. I don't watch it that right. much. Um, so you got me there. All right. The snake pit with Bobby Heenan and the Heenan family. Bobby says he's got the whole family here. Well, except for most of the family. Everybody. Right. <laughs> it's actually only him and Hercules and the King. Uh, Bobby has a neck brace on, which is a leftover from his debate with Kempatera. Uh, Hercules and the King are there. Hercules, uh, cuts a promo on Ken, threatens him. Then the King gets in on it, says that. Ken has signed his own death warrant. And uh, Bobby says that Ken Patera's days are over. Um, and Jake doesn't really do much here. It's not the best episode of the Snake Pit you're ever going to see. But it served its purpose. And that was to put over the feud of the Heenan family uh, versus Ken Patera. All right, Dave. Next up, it's the main event of the evening. The one we all waited for. Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton with Mr. Fuji versus Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk comes out with Old Glory to a huge pop. Uh, Anaheim loves their Hulk, loves the USA, pumped to have him there. He rips off his shirt and gives the belt to referee Joey Morella, um, who I noticed right away was the ref. And um, it's always for the Hulkster. Yeah, mention later. Uh, Orton gets Hulk in the corner and they exchange blows, but Hogan whips Bob into the corner. And uh, Orton takes a great upside-down bump in the corner there. Really good. Uh, really impressive. Hogan drops three elbows and gets a huge pop from the crowd. Again, Hogan clotheslines Bob and pins him for two. Uh, Fuji jumps up on the apron and distracts Hulk, who turns around to choke him, only to get cracked from behind by Orton. He drops to a knee or two. Uh, Fuji that, uh, Hogan ends up outside the ring, and Fuji lays the cane into Hulk a few times and is beating him up uh, as Bob Orton ties up Joey Morella and Vince tells us we're going to go to a commercial commercial break, but if we miss anything, he'll tell us what it was. Not as smooth as the uh, 
commercial breaks in Saturday night's main event. And to my knowledge, the only commercial break ever on a superstars of wrestling. Mid-match. Mid-match, yeah. pre, I don't know, after 93 if they did it. But I'm talking about our era. Sure. You know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we return and the ropes broke while they, we were gone. Uh, Jesse says it's the top rope for sure, maybe more. Uh, Orton tries to climb the ropes, but he really can't. So he just kind of gives up, drops a forearm. Um, he takes Hulk to the mat with a headlock, and the, the crowd's cheering on Hogan. We got a little bit of a rest hold here. A really sweet suplex, suplex from Bob, and he pins Hulk again for two. Orton with another headlock, and Hulk gets up and fights out of it, and Bob catches him with his head down. Cardinal mistake, even for a veteran. Jesse says even champions make mistakes sometimes. Orton pins Hulk for a two, uh, but when Hulk kicks out, he's getting frustrated. Jesse said he's throwing everything at the Hulkster. He's starting to lose his composure. Uh, Jesse mentions that the broken rope rules out the superplex. Really great storytelling by Jesse here um, and how that could really hurt Orton's chances of putting Hogan away because he counts on the superplex and he won't be able to do it with the rope broken. Uh, Hulk blocks Orton from slamming his head into the turnbuckle and starts to build some momentum, but Orton backs backs him again and slams the Hulk. Orton tries to go up to the top, but he can't. He just... The ropes are fucked. Uh, instead, he he drops the leg on Hulk, but Hulk powers out at two, and he starts hulking up, and the crowd rises. Hulk gets on the offense, a big boot, a leg drop, one, two, three. They got about nine minutes and ten seconds on the match. Uh, Hogan poses. Jesse complains about Morella being the ref, says that... Um, you know, it's every match. What the hell? Uh, did you notice that? And Vince plays dumb. And uh, Hulk continues to pose to the delight of the crowd. Dave, thoughts on the match? I will give it, again, and I think of, like, Dave Portnoy's pizza reviews. And he'll be like, you know, if you're talking about uh, artisan pizza, it starts at a lower scale. House matches start at a lower scale, right? I mean, you're not probably not going to get a squash match like this on Superstars to be a five-star match. And squash match isn't the right word. They went nine minutes back and forth. TV match. A TV, TV match is, is a better yeah. better way to put it. Um, so it starts at a lower scale, but I'll still give it two and a half. Um, very well done. Crowd was into it. Orton was a good, uh, a good folly for Hulk and really tested him and threw everything he had at him. And Hulk kept kicking out and... Crowd loved it. The announcers loved it. Jesse was on fire. Great storytelling. Really, really well done. And two, two and a half almost seems too low. Let's go three. I'm going to go three. It was well done. Well done for a, a house show match. Or a TV going match. high, brother. Going yeah, four. I, I, you're going four. Okay, that's really love, high love, for this. Love, yeah. love this match. I love different. I love that this is the first syndicated TV match. You know, not counting. MSG Network or Nessin or Saturday Night's Main Event. This is Hulk's first TV match since uh, the betrayal from Mr. Wonderful in July on Championship Wrestling. So it's almost been a year. Hulk's back on TV, and I love that the ropes broke. As a kid, I thought that was coolest thing because I love different. And nowadays, in hindsight, looking back, I'm surprised they didn't redo it at the challenge tapings the next day because the rope broke. So Bob hit the superplex and Hulk could do the big, you know, Hulk comeback, the big Curly Howard, you know, uh, Hulk up that he does. And, um, you know, but they didn't do that. So it, it, it was such a unique match to me. 
with that rope being broken and, and Jesse's commentary and the flag and, you know, learning about Memorial Day in school. Jesse's great. Jesse's out. great. Yeah. Man. Yeah. He's great. The whole yeah, match. I, yeah. I love this. It's such, it's such, you they did Boris Zukov the next year and Hulk came out with the flag. It didn't come close. I mean, it was, right. It, and we covered that. We covered that. We covered that. Right. Yeah. You can find it in the archives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, I, I love it. Four, four stars. It's, it's for personal reasons from, I wasn't quite watching yet. I wasn't obsessed yet with the Orndorff turn. That's kind of what got me into wrestling from my grandma telling me about it. Oh, it's Hulk's friend turned on him, et cetera, et cetera. So this is my first real time. Like I used to watch Saturday Night's main event with my dad, with my uncle, with my family. And I see network with my dad, with my uncle, with my family. But this stuff, the, you know, the Saturday, the Saturday morning shit, I'd be all alone. So this is like my first, like all alone watching the Hulkster, you know, in action. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. I, and, and it was just... Do you remember when it thing. was on in your area? Well, yeah, I, I mentioned that before. It, it was on um, 5 p.m. Oh. On WOR Channel 9. Okay. Um, but then I made the switch when I figured out we also had an oh, independent okay. channel sure. from Philadelphia. And they would show Challenge at 10 in the morning, then show Superstars at 11. So that's how I screwed up and, and, and didn't realize the MSG card was on with Harley that I, t- that I talked about before. So I was watching at 11 a.m. on uh, on the Philadelphia affiliate that we had. It, 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 it actually it went away and it became um, uh, TNT Turner, uh, which which is still around today. Uh, so, um, I mean, that station didn't become that, but it became that on our cable. They got rid of the Philadelphia sure. affiliate. So I had to go back to... Uh, to Channel Nine, it might have even been on Fox Five eventually. Uh, by then, because they were making a lot of changes. But um, yeah, like I was watching this like my first like Hulk match like by myself, like video recording it by myself. And um, yeah, you know, I didn't think Orton was going to win or anything like that. But I just, I just loved it. You know, just I, I loved everything about it. And the rope, I'm, I'm glad they didn't go back. If it was two years later. Vince would have went back the next day and did it a challenge because remember the rockers and the hearts. Yeah, yeah. The, title change, title the whole the rope broke. They took the whole because the rope yeah, broke. Yeah, that was in ninety. That on NBC. Yeah, that right. was in ninety. Yeah, yeah, and and even right around this time, uh, Ken Patera and Hercules um, uh, had a, sh- a shit match, and they re- they redid it on challenge the next day. But um, I don't know if it was Hulk saying, "Listen, I don't want to do it again. I liked it, or or you know whatever," but. Thank God they kept it the way it is because unique. That's what I like. That's the problem with today's wrestling. Everything is same, the same, the same, the same, over and over again. This match stands out. This is my, I like this match better than Hulk and Orton at uh, Saturday Night's Main Event in 85, probably because of the rope and you know, the Memorial Day theme. So, th- yeah, this, this, this is a real – this is a big favorite, favorite of mine. So, uh, four stars for me. Very nice. I used to watch on Channel 29 in Buffalo, which later became the Fox affiliate. I don't think it was quite the Fox affiliate yet, uh, but it would air on Saturdays at 12, and then Challenge would be on Sundays at 12. Super Rio Stars on Saturdays, Challenge on Sundays. Eventually, we settled into that around 89. Uh, we had uh, everything moved over to Fox 5, mm-hmm. no more WOR9, and we had Superstars at noon on Saturdays. And challenge at noon on Sundays, and it stayed like that forever. But in these earlier days, uh, you know, it, it was a little different. It would bounce around a little bit. We still even at, at nine WR nine kept spotlight even up until about late eighty eight, early eighty nine. 
then that, that moved over just to the MSG network like Tuesday nights at 11. But who did, you know, gave a shit about Spotlight? You know what I right. mean? It didn't, didn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, but, but but moving over to Philly, the Philly channel, I was getting those Philly promos and not and forgetting about the MSG show. So I had a, my dad had a, he would read them in the newspaper and tell me, hey, you know, wrestling's going to be on live Monday night on uh, MSG Network, you know, Channel 24. Don't forget, you know, because I, I, I would forget because I'd be seeing the Philly promos. All right. Mean Gene is back. Speaking of promos, to plug the Detroit House show. Uh, he mentions that the Hart Foundation will put up the tag team titles and the Bulldogs and Danny Davis is banned uh, from Wingside. We get Jimmy Hart with the Honky Tonk Man who talks shit about Jake Roberts. He's going to play his tune uh, for Jake again. Then Fuji comes in. I thought it was over, but Fuji comes in with Kamala and Kimchi. And Fuji says that Hulk is white raw meat to Kamala as Kamala moans the whole time in the background. Uh, we go to the last commercial break, come back, and a preview for next week. Brutus Beefcake will be wrestling Dino Bravo. Uh, Honky Tonk Man's in action. Ricky Steamboat's in action. And so is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, and then Bobby Heenan comes on to announce that next week he has a new tag team. And they will debut next week. And the credits roll. And we are done, brother. Dave, do you know, know what happened there? Do you know who the tag team was? Of course I know who it was. Right. You want me to give it away? Tell the people. Yeah, we're not covering oh. next week's show. Haku and Tama, the Islanders, brother. Yeah, and what's kind of weird, what's kind of weird is that they mention that the Islanders are wrestling the Can-Am Connection in the promo a second ago, but they don't mention Bobby. So they kind of yeah. give it away a little bit, but they don't. Well, no, I mean they would do a lot of those face versus face team matches, but what did give it away is because uh, after I watched uh, our show. I fell asleep, and whatever I was watching on YouTube went into the next week, and they they go to the the little you know si- side uh, side box interview with the Islanders while the matches while the bells ringing and and Tama who's phenomenal this phenomenal heel is just laughing, so it's just they're just ha 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 ha. So I was like, all right, it's them. You know, they're they're the bad guys. You know, they turned. I remember watching that one down the shore. For some reason, so I was down to shore. That it wasn't Memorial Day weekend, the weekend after, but I remember that. And uh, no funny thing about that next week, superstars, is that they couldn't erase Jim Duggan from it because the the uh, situation happened that Tuesday in Asbury Park after our show. But Duggan still had his uh, squash match that Saturday on TV. It's, it had to air because the tapes were already sent out and everything to the network. So that's pretty cool. Very cool. All right, that's the show. Enjoyed that one. I love doing these kind of random Cindy shows or Hulk Russells. I wish there was more of them, but I'm sure eventually we'll have covered them all. But love doing that. Really fun show. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we got some emails, some promos. We'll let you know what we're going to do the next few weeks. We got the uh, schedule mapped out to December. We'll let you in on that. And uh, that should do it. Are you ready, Dave? Ready, Freddy. All right, we'll be right back.
24 inch podcast back season two episode three coming to a close don't forget to listen to my other podcast the sportscasters which you can find exactly where you found this podcast on our soundcloud page soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters you can follow me on twitter at sports underscore casters for more information uh, last episode featured Pablo Torre from ESPN's Around the Horn. And uh, the next episode, which actually is going to be up before this one, uh, featured interviews with Tyler Dunn and former Chicago Cubs and Anaheim Angels manager Joe Madden, who was the manager of the Cubs when they broke the curse of the Billy Goat in 2016. Uh, really fun to be able to talk to him. Uh, the sportscasters at gmail.com is the email there. Don't forget to check out Peter and Keithy at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. Their newest episode is SummerSlam 1992. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, also, don't forget to find the 24 inch podcast on Twitter at 24 inch podcast. Email us like JB and Lucas do at 24 inch podcast at gmail.com. Uh, podcasts here every other week. We'll give you the schedule through the end of November. Uh, check us out on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, and I think that just about does it. Dave, you want to kick us off with the first email or question? Tim Mangione has returned after uh, being very conspicuous by his absence uh, two weeks ago. No one had heard from him. Uh, you know, we we're, were starting to send out an SOS, not, not a same old situation. But uh, more of a sting SOS on uh, Tim Mangione. But uh, we found him, and he's doing well. And uh, he has some questions right up my alley that I can't wait to answer. And Steve, I'd like to hear your answers, too. Uh, it's two parts. Uh, first one, do you think that Vince McMahon will ever return to WWE? Uh, Tim, Vince McMahon has never left the WWE. Uh, his daughter is in charge, who, who is exactly like him. His daughter is in charge. Um, he's still running the show. Uh, all the fanboys and the marks could say whatever they want. And, you know, he just can't, not going to show his face. He's not going to be, you know, visible and be on social media or anything like that. But, um, he's very much <laughs> part of, you think that they just said, oh no, go away. You know, you're buried right now. You're out. Uh, Vince is uh, very much part of it. And I do believe that someday, just like the, um, crap with Hogan, crap with Flair, that you'll, you'll you'll see a tweet or something that Vince McMahon has returned to his role. Before I get to the second part, uh, Steve, would you like to throw in your inf- everybody comes back? Hell yeah, Vince will be back. Yeah, yeah. I'll- I mean, he's he, he's there. You don't think he was at the Barclays Center for Raw this week? He's there, but you mean visibly, you know, officially? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, he'll I mean? be back. Yeah. I mean, just this shit will die down. They'll forget about it, and he'll be back. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, there's that. But, I mean, it's so funny. Like, AEW's ratings went down because the Marks heard that. Well, we're Marks. And Smarks heard that Vince McMahon's gone. So now it's okay to watch NXT again and watch that. And the shit's exactly the same as it always been. It's still boring. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny what uh, this social media has done. Second part, I loved him. And he says, also a statement. How great is it that CM Punk's return was a bomb? <laughs> oh, man. You know, I think uh, he's the person that I hate the most of all time in the business. And that's saying a lot. Now, I don't wish ill on this man or his family whatsoever. That's not what I mean when I say hate. I don't like him. If I saw him somewhere at a convention, I would look the other way. I wouldn't shake his hand. I think he is... Uh, 
a, a demon and a threat to a business. That stupid pipe bomb, however many years ago that was, is what started all this shit with the smarks and the and how wrestling has become and how the fans have ruined it. I think he's a big catalyst to that. And I'm just very, very against somebody like him. And I've hated him from, from again, don't wish ill on him. I hope the guy lives a happy, healthy life. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I would like him to stay very far away from something I love, which is uh, the business of professional wrestling. See, the word I was looking for, he is a cancer to uh, wrestling. And I said that uh, from day one, he's really not even that good of a wrestler in the ring. Like they act, but like these, they, these people act like, but um, yeah, that was a catalyst of, of, of the downfall of these smarks going insane and just, you know, these black t-shirt fans getting away from the storylines and the families and that kind of thing. Steve, what do you, what's your take on that? Well, it, it played out exactly like I thought it would, right? He came in and it was all about how much he loves working there and he loves it here and he loves AEW and it's so great and WWF sucks and I hated it there and this place is the best and then before you knew it, he hated AEW, right? And he hated yeah. it there and he was fighting backstage with the wrestlers there. It just It's the same old shit with him. You know what I mean? It's like uh, cancer is a good word for him. And uh, yeah, I'm glad he was a bust too. And I remember the weekend he came back I don't remember where we were. Maybe it might have been one time we went to Erie for Splash Lagoon. But there was like a John Cena return to Raw and his return weren't that far apart or they were the same day or a couple days apart. No comparison. And Paul and I watched them both. Okay. And I said, Paul, I want to show you this. um, This guy and I saw Punk came in. It was a cool moment in Chicago for him and his song is cool. Whatever. We watch it. Song's cool. I'll give him that. Song's really cool. But song was cool. Way before CM Punk was, sure. was, was anything. So then we watched the John Cena one, and I just remember watching it through the eyes of a five-year-old or whatever at the time and how much more she loved Cena's return. So Yeah, but, I mean, but he, he put that into – some of this was already happening, of course, but he really put that into these fans' heads that weren't there in the 80s, that weren't there for part of the 90s. Like, we're not allowed to like Hulk Hogan – we're not allowed to like this guy. We're not allowed to like this guy because CM Punk said so. Who the fuck are you? Like, really? Really? Who the hell? Like, this guy never drew a fucking dime except for that one night in Chicago for AEW for his return with fucking people in COVID masks crying. How embarrassing is that? Embarrassing to be a wrestling fan. I'm still embarrassed to this day over people like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and I don't even know. The, 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 the list goes on. And the Young Bucks. Good the match versus Penny Cena, Omega, I, I got to get. Dave Meltzer. It was a good match against Cena at Money in the Bank. Yeah, a lot of people have had good matches against Cena. Yeah, oh, yeah. Almost everybody's probably, been Probably more with. of a credit to Cena than, than to um, yeah. Punk. Embarrassing. But. I want no part of it. I want no part of CM Punk. Um, don't wish you a lot of him, like I said. it, But, uh, yeah, definitely not a fan. And, and somebody I am a gigantic fan of really uh, hits the nail on the head with Punk, and that is the great Eric Bischoff. So, All right. there you have it. Moving on. JB emails us, 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, he goes through a little bit here, remembering the great Ruby. Some really nice words for Dave. Oh, thank you so much. Yep. And you, really you, wanted, hard, brother. you wanted to mention to him there's a better way to reach you, right, for JB? Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I saw that, that – um, 
even before the 24 inch podcast returned that, that your email came in in August and um, Steve told me and I, I went right on it and answered you. I'm really sorry. I'm not a big email guy. I've never been. Uh, it's, it's very e- much easier just to get me at Dave Rollins on Facebook. Dave, R-O-W-L-A-N-D-S. If you have a Facebook, uh, that's where I'm uh, most accessible. But I really, really appreciate that. that it's been uh, it's been really hard. I've had other dogs, which I loved. Uh, this one is just for some reason just it's it's terrible and uh, um, it's, it's really hard to shit it's really hard to shake it and I've uh, you know kind of gone into party mode again I'm okay but uh, I don't like to be home anymore you know what I mean so I'm always out doing something a little, a little crazy God bless <laughs> Ruby thank you so much all man. right he's got some questions though first one Dave right. imagine we're in an alternate universe where instead of I the tiger a real American Hulk comes out to the ring to a Motley Crue song. Which Motley Crue song would it be? Wow. Oh, my man. I'm going to have to just spit this out because we can't be here all night. I know mine. You want me to go first? Yeah. Oh, knock him dead, kid, for sure. That's my I'm pick. I'm trying to think of, think of one that's a little. A little um... Oh, boy. Something a little. Like that's kind of like real American or I, I the tiger, like ultimate warrior. If the question was ultimate warrior, the answer would be kickstart my heart, right? That would be easy. That would be an easy one. But uh, kickstart my heart w- wouldn't wouldn't be for Hulk. I could see him coming down to Doctor Feelgood, but the lyrics uh, don't really work for uh, for Hulkster. Maybe something like um, I think Hulk can march down a piece of your action. From the first album, from Too Best for Love. Okay. If I think of something over the week on the next Twenty Four Inch podcast, I'll, if I think of something better, but that whole time, dun, 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 I think that's a good Hulk, a Hulk vibe. For, uh, so as of right now, piece of your actions, my answer. Knock him dead, kid, for me all the way. All right, next all right. up, question for Steve. Same question above. Hulk is coming out to the ring to a Pearl Jam song. Uh, which Pearl Jam song would be the best entrance music for the Hulkster? I think it's really easy. I think it's Given to Fly um, from Yield. Um, Good I, song. Yeah, I think that just the message of the song is very much something that the Hulkster... Um, a little slow, though, no? Eh, maybe a little bit, but um, definitely Given to Fly. Maybe a little oh, slow. But always reminded me of um, going to California by Zeppelin. A little yeah, bit. and uh, Mike McCready mentioned that um, there was a uh, yeah there was a documentary when Yield came out um, called Single Video Theory, and um, it's got this really cool scene in the beginning where they're all like punching in to like a time clock, showing up to the studio and punching in. It's kind of cool, but he talks about writing it because it's a Mike McCready uh, music song, Eddie Vedder lyrics, and um, he talks about being inspired by going to California and kind of having the same vibe and the same thoughts. And that's what he was listening to at the time. So not a coincidence that you think of that, but that would be my answer for sure. And I guess I could think about it more and say, Oh, do I come up with something else? But that's what comes to my head right away. Like that's my first instinct is oh, giving a fly would be great for Hulk. You know, JB, let's try to get, let's try to get the perfect one for next, for two weeks from now. That that's our on the spare of the moment. That that's going to take some thinking. Right. If uh, if, if, if I come up with something better, I will get back to you. Yeah. Great. Great question. Good. Very fun. Very fun. All right, Dave. Uh, you got one now, right? Yeah. <laughs> the one and only Kevin Hogan. I mean, Kevin. Uh, if people think I'm on a watch from my dog dying, 
I don't know what kind of watch this uh, guy's been on with the 24 inch podcast on on hiatus. But uh, I got a couple things here. Apologies, First, I have, Kevin. Apologies. Yeah. Blame my colon. A, yeah. And then blame uh, my uh, and liver. Dave's depression. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, first, I got a question. This from Jamie from Queens, a uh, friend of dear friend of Kevin Hogan's. Uh, not a Hulk Hogan question, but a wrestling question. Dave, last week you said that you've talked to Paul Roma a lot, and that doesn't hold back. That he doesn't hold back. Did he ever give you his thoughts on why Power and Glory only lasted a year? And we're never given a run with the tag team title. Okay, Kevin. Uh, Paul's very ab- abrupt and very because it's because that. And so I'm not going to go with his answer. I'm going to go with mine because I because I don't remember, but I think it's similar to mine. I think they were on that path to that the way they beat the Rockers at SummerSlam '90, which we're going to cover next time. Oh, oh, spoilers! <laughs> with, uh, yeah. With Shawn Michaels with the knee injury and stuff, and it really—I always want to see Herc have a belt. You know, he's one of my, my favorites and in, in, in a mainstay in WWF. As is Paul Roma, um, and I—I I think uh, Vince always had a problem with Roma's height, maybe a little bit, and the stigma of being a jobber for so long. So then uh, they got the Nasty Boys from WCW because they were living down in Tampa and going on Hulk Hogan's boat out there. Even when they were in WCW, uh, Knobs and Sags hooked up with the Hulkster out there. So when you know the Hulkster, you're in. So uh, they came in, they won that tag team battle royal, and got the shot at the hearts at uh, WrestleMania Seven. And you know the Nasties had a little more flair and you know character than uh, Power and Glory did. So I think that's why they went that way. But what I gotta say for Paul Roma, if he stuck around longer in like the Shawn Michaels era and the Bret Hart era, the new generation, when you know the big guys were kind of being, you know, shifted out, I think he would have been a big, maybe even the champion, the Intercontinental at least. He would have fit right in with with, you know, with those uh, those type of smaller guys because he was a really good wrestler. He could talk and stuff. So um, yeah, but I think it was. Uh, if uh, the, they had broken up the rhythm and blues right around that time, so I think if the nasties didn't hook up with the Hulkster in uh, in, in Clearwater Beach, I think he might have power and glory. Uh, take the belts from the hearts and drop them to uh, LOD. But um, yeah, Steve, what do you think about that? I think that's as good of an explanation as I could have ever given. I like Power and Glory, though. I love their yeah. outfits coming to the ring. I love the look of them. I thought they were a cool team. So I'm excited. We'll talk more about them on the yeah, next show. Yeah, what a cool yeah. finish, finishers ever. Yeah, awesome. Power play. What a great great team. Anything else from uh, our friend? Yeah, then, then there's a statement uh, from okay. Kevin Hogan here. Let's get to that statement. Uh, just hold on for me for one quick second here. Guys, not a question, but a comment. Guys, I think that Steve really hit the nail on the head last week. He rated the Hogan-Sika match higher than Dave did, which is rare, and attributed to the fact that he watched it with his daughter. That comment made me think back to my childhood. I remember how excited the group, the group of group of us was as kids watching a Hulk Hogan match. A Hulk Hogan match was something special. There was no complaining that he never went to the top rope or did any high-risk maneuvers. Hulk Hogan did everything you wanted him to do. I know that you guys have said this before. I just felt the need to reiterate it. <laughs> well, yep. yeah. well, you don't want to get me going. No. I was just doing that on CM Punk. So yeah, we were, just got the promo. Yeah. You know my feelings on, on, on this bullshit already. This ridiculous bullshit. 
I mean, what did Superman do besides fly and save people? Jesus Christ already. We're going backwards. Definitely couldn't ride horses. Yeah, yeah. Professional wrestling has gone. It used to be like that. I want my wrestling. I want my wrestling. I don't want the Cindy Lauper. I don't want Mr. T. And now we went back to that. They want their wrestling again. They don't want the fun. They don't want the heroes. They don't want the characters. These fans want to go back to the to the 60s and the 70s again. Jesus Christ, what happened? Hmm. Yeah, I want no part of it. I know that. All right, Lucas Calhoun. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Uh, hopefully, we're back for good now. Uh, Lucas Calhoun emails us. He says, First of all, glad you're getting better, Steve. Sorry for your loss, Dave. Thank you, Lucas. Uh, thank you, Lucas. Question for the show Dave, give me your ultimate five man Survivor Series team to destroy Hulkamania. And Steve, give me four wrestlers to help defend Hulkamania. Now, there's some rules. Dave, your team needs two main event guys. One intercontinental level guy and two mid carters. So I'll let you start. It has to be guys from the eighties and nineties. Happy you guys are back and hope for many more years. Uh thank you, Lucas. All right, so Dave, you give your team and then I'll give mine. Well, if it wasn't guys from the eighties and nineties, I was gonna go with the guys that really have succeeded in destroying Hulkamania to a degree, which are Dave Meltzer, <laughs> CM Punk, Sean All right, Sean all right, Mike, all right. Sean right. Michaels. <laughs> Boy. Jim Cornette to goes. a degree. I mean, oh, yeah. Boy. If you want me to go all there, but you want me to go kayfabe and just wrestle wrestlers from the 80s, tough wrestlers from the eighties and nineties. All right, okay, okay. So <laughs> uh, we got to have uh, Doctor D. David Schultz oh. on the heel side there. I think that's a very dangerous individual there, and somebody that's always had a little bit of a chip on the shoulder for the Hulkster there. So that's somebody I keep my eye on. Uh, Andre, of course, you know. Always a threat. Um, three more, three more. The Macho Man. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. I'm always coming after the Hulkster. You know what I mean? You got to have the Macho Man on there. The heel Macho Man. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Number four. And uh, number five. Uh, let's think of somebody a little Hold on, hold on. You said Schultz. You said Macho Man. And you said one other guy. I don't think you said four. Andre. Oh, you said Andre. Okay, I didn't hear Andre. Piper. Piper. Okay, got it. Yeah. And let's think of somebody a little more outside the box. someone sort of from the mid-card. These are kind of mostly main yeah. eventers. But, so try to throw a mid-card guy out there. Um, the honky-tonk man, maybe. Uh, right. You know, they, they have their ups and downs. They're friends in real life, but there's there's always a little something there with uh, the honker and the holster. So I'm going to put honky out there. And he's a, Like Jesse the Body always says, he's a lucky wrestler. So, uh, Honky might be on there to get, uh, to get eliminated first. <laughs> you know, in, in, uh, in yeah, survival. Yeah, taking early uh, pen. Yeah. Or, the, yeah, okay, good. All right, my team needs to be Hogan, a main event guy, an intercontinental level, and a tag team. So, tag team's really easy. I'm going British Bulldogs um, right away. Very easy. Good Inter- friends of the Hulkster, too. Yep, intercontinental level, also easy. I'm going with my all-time favorite, Ricky Steamboat. Um, and then my main event guy, uh, all right, I'll go with, uh, Paul Orndorff and say that he's a good guy that week. <laughs> okay. Gotta, gotta keep your eye on him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, he could come over on my side real quick. He could. And maybe that'll be the finish in this in match. The heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that'll be the finish, but, uh, really destroy Hulkamania here. But yeah, since I, I mean, it's tough with main event 
faces because they were all Hogan or you already picked them. Yeah, or Hillbilly. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fine. I'll go with Orndorff when he was good. He, he works for Or you know what? Scratch that. I'm going with Mr. T, goddammit. Yeah, I'm yeah. going with Mr. T. A lot of people thought in WCW, uh, including myself, that uh, I, don't, I know you weren't really watching at the time, but uh, T came in to officiate a Hogan Flair match. I thought T was going to turn on Hulk there. I thought that would have actually been pretty cool. Yep, I actually uh, watched but, that. I watched yeah, that match. Didn't do that. Mr. T being involved. Yeah. yeah, I'm going with Mr. T, sucker. And uh, <laughs> there's a A-team episode, season four, called Body Slam. And uh, there's this great part that me and Paul always reenact where uh, Hulk and Andre are, or Hulk and Andre, Hulk and T are, are fighting over who took the shell in Vietnam. And it's like, you took the shell. No, you took the shell. No, you took the shell. No, you took the shell. And then they butt heads and they're like, and me and Paul always do that. So yep. definitely Mr. T, Hogan, Steamboat, and the Bulldogs for me. And uh, all those guys Dave said. So not sure he got two mid carters and a IC level guy, but he certainly got the five. So thank you. To Lucas, thank you to uh, JB, thank you to Kevin, and thank you to Tim as well. Have we punished Tim yet? Didn't we? Then we need to give him his punishment well, this week. Where never, we're going to send you, him. You never know, Tim. He may like a punishment coming from men. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we, we, have, we have to be very careful with him. We're kidding, Tim. You know that it's a joke. He has he has a very obsession with a beautiful woman, Carmela Zumbada from um, season two of. Um, Oh my God! Me and these brain farts. You on Netflix. Okay. Very, very, very beautiful woman. So I, keep I, those keep those pictures coming in on the text. Family. I've oh. thought of his punishment. Next time he's in Jersey, he needs to see David Burson. <laughs> 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 Apparently, there's nothing he would he would want to do less. Uh, all right. Uh, next time on the podcast, we actually Dave kind of hinted at it. Uh, we decided because we love it and we're looking for something fun to do. And everyone always does these shows in the summer. So instead of doing that, we're going to do it now. We're going to do SummerSlam 1990, which is at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Um, a show that I love, a show that Dave loves, one of Dave's favorite pay-per-views, one of my favorite pay-per-views. So we'll do that. Of course, we'll go over Hulk's match versus Earthquake in detail. We'll go over... Love it. We'll go over... Um, the Spectrum, I know we did it before when we did that show for the, the request, but we'll go over the Spectrum again real quick. Maybe look into the history of wrestling in Philadelphia a little bit. Give the Earthquakes bio, like I said. Go through match by match, and uh, we'll see if we can't find Sapphire. You know, because I'm not sure. <laughs> We're where, all still looking for We're all still looking for I'm not sure where that where that bitch went. But uh, we'll look That for was it. a wrestling summer, man. Everybody on the streets, every kid had their whole Colgan friendship bracelet on. That was kind of like the tail end before... The uh, you know, the NWO and the Attitude Era came in where everybody was really, really, really talking about talking about wrestling at least over here in in Carney, New Jersey. And then we got our plan for November. It's a request that Dave got. Uh, somebody wanted us to do Survivor Series '91, and then also the match with this Tuesday in Texas. So what we're gonna do is the first November show will be Survivor Series '91, and the second one, which will fail right around the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, will be this Tuesday in Texas, so we'll do both shows. And so revisionist history with that Undertaker, even though I do like him, but uh, and then and then what do you ever draw? We will also have two shows in December. So, but we haven't picked them yet. So, if anyone has, oh, I almost dropped my mic for the second time today. If anyone has any requests 
for December. You can email us or text us or get a hold of us on Facebook group or wherever. Uh, we're taking requests for December. Um, we might have an idea for the last show, something we talked about, uh, but maybe we'll do that as like a bonus show. I don't know. Just send requests if you got them. Maybe we'll get to them. Yeah, even if it's anything outside the box, even if it's as long as like Hogan has something to do with it, he doesn't even have to be the main center right. of it. Like anything, anything eighties, nineties wrestling, not late nineties. You know, I know anything eighties, nineties wrestling. Uh, we're in it. One so. thing I want to do at some point is talk show appearances. You mentioned one earlier. I'd like to do that sometime. We talked about the cartoon, doing something with that maybe, which is something we were thinking about maybe around Christmas time. Um, a merchandise show might be fun just to talk about all the different. LJNs. I, I yeah. actually, this is crazy. I have a crazy brain. I could tell you where I got every single one of my LJNs, how, when, why, where, and I have them all. So I know the YouTube channel, this guy Jason Up. I want to give him a plug. Uh, if you guys, if you guys uh, have YouTube, it's called the New Eighties Revolution. This guy Jason Up, he's incredible. He, he, all he talks about is the eighties and how he grew up and how he got his LJNs, and then it turned into the way family was in the eighties. It's, it's just taking you back. It's I like fall asleep to it at night sometimes. Not the guy in the bathtub, right? That's a different guy, you know. And you, oh no, that's actually, the guy in the bathtub is actually like a, a real friend of mine. Okay, with this guy, I just like discovered him, like kind of how I discovered you. Did you ever see the 80s garage on Instagram? I don't believe so, no. There's this guy who lives in Oregon. He's moving to to Boise, though, but he's got the world's greatest garage. It's just so sick, and it's full of shit from the 80s. Yeah, this is similar, but it's something similar. But all right. Uh, With all that said, there's only one thing left to do, Dave. And that's for me to ask everyone out there to say your prayers, take your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. That's right, CM Punk. You're not my brother. Brother.